Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. So. Here we are, finally, with our main event. We've got Mr. Chris Fishgold himself. How you doing, my friend? How you getting on? Don't worry, I'm great, you know. Uh, last, last week I had training, we fly out on the weekend, so uh, I'm just looking forward to getting over there, getting a little tan. Well, this is it as well. I mean, this isn't just like a normal sort of fight in the Echo. This is like a bit, I don't know, a bit more prestige, isn't it? the next stage up. This is a bit more, you know... <laughs> a bit sunnier this. What's the yeah. sort of plan for that then? Have you got like an itinerary yet for like your time out there? Yeah. Yeah, they've said they've sent us um, the stuff. They actually said hey, we weigh in on the fourteenth, which obviously I knew, but with the time difference and stuff, it's they said we're fighting on the sixteenth. Ooh. Two days yeah, before. Yeah. That's that's so, all right. That's decent. Yeah, I'm, that's what I mean. I think we weigh in about it said in between five and seven o'clock. The weigh-in, and then uh, we fight in between three and nine in the morning um, on the 16th. But I don't know if that's like a type of it, or whether they're going off Abu Dhabi time, American time, or UK time. You know, I just uh, I don't believe that up to me coaches to do the fight. I mean, that becomes a bit of an issue when you're fighting on sort of UFC sort of prime time and stuff. So regards of your training then, like time frames you're doing that in, are you like training at certain times in the morning then or in the evening? Because like, I don't really know how you'd sort of adjust to that. That's a bit of a weird one. To be honest, I'm, I'm a night owl anyway, you know, like you said, I'll have to stay up and uh, watch others. Um, but yeah, I, I normally have about say, four hours a night and then I'll have about four hours in the day. Um, so I have two sleeps anyway. I don't have one solid sleep. I mean, that, that's the dream, really. Like, with your um, training and that to work around, have you always sort of, I don't know, have you worked as well as trained then to sort of get that sort of sleep schedule in? Or is this like sleep on the job kind of thing? Nah, How do you make yeah. that work? Um, well, I used to work for a security company. Um, so that was sort of, like, I, I sort of levels on a good wage. We used to watch a call there where Friday and Saturday, but I'd be working for like 8 a.m. Um, so that I was doing that, I'm fighting obviously when you chase the dreams or what I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't I'd say to any fighter that um, wants to do it properly, always have a plan B, you know what I mean. I, I went to college as well, so obviously back then when I was working and I went to college I couldn't like I was training on party and sleep, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, no, this is just since I've got an ESU, this is just one of those um extra things one of the little uh, what's the word one of the benefits of getting paid well by the ufc you can afford to have a little sleep in the day that's the dream as well literally so when you're saying that kind yeah. of like struggle at that point to then get to this point of like you know you can have these little naps and stuff you've sort of achieved this extra sort of step on this journey i hate the word journey it's a bit of a cliche but whatever we'll go with it like do you still find yeah, yourself no. with that same kind of like <laughs> I want to say desperation, that kind of drive, that kind of like hunger that you need to push this bit further to get to this next stage. Because when it starts getting a bit more comfortable, I can imagine being that easier to sort of take your foot off the gas a bit. Like, how would you find keeping that same kind of like motivation as such? 
Now, there's a lot in there that's really interesting. So, let's sort of pick up a few bits there. So, when it comes to the fight itself, it's interesting the fact you're not putting any, like, excess weight on this. Like, the size of the fight, the sort of results behind it. It's kind of a like a secondary kind of thing. Like the fight itself is that own priority. Like whether it's your debut amateur fight or it's the next fight in the UFC, it's all the same kind of like I want to say respect. And then when you said about you had that sort of depression and that layoff to try and find a love again, was that kind of caused from throughout the sport itself? Was this like personal things again in the way? How did you find like I don't know? What did you have to do to reassess and rebuild yourself from that point? Um, let's put this way here. I'd probably say I was, when I say depression, I was really down. And it was a little bit in my personal life, but also a lot of it was self-inflicted, you know. Um, I, I blame a lot of things. I blamed a lot of things on, like, other reasons and stuff. And then, you know, by the end of the two years, you know, I, I hadn't progressed anywhere. I'd actually probably... Like I, I went, went down, I hadn't progressed nowhere, I was getting up late and that. And it took me to move and be like, you know, I can't put that on anybody else. Um, you've got to stand up and take that on the chin and say, hold your hand up and say, you know, I am this way because of me. I need to fucking sort it out, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, the move, the move was, for that was good to Thailand to get the love back. And then when I come back, I realised that the only time I ever feel, actually, don't anybody does the sport, whether you fight or not, um, whether you just do fitness, like circuits, whether you go to the gym, whether you, you know, you do an MMA, whether you do jiu-jitsu, um, when you're on the mat, you're not thinking about anything else other than the competition. When you're in the gym, you're not thinking about anything else than smashing that thing, smashing that set you've got, smashing that 
circuit, you know. So uh, I think sport as a whole helps people a lot. I think, think if it wasn't for this sport, it, um, yeah, probably be a bit difficult me. It kind of broke up at the end there, but just to make sure I got this right when I sort of understand what you were saying there. So it's really interesting how you sort of took responsibility for what you were doing and the mistakes you were making and the sort of plateaus you were getting into. Because again, it's all too tricky when it comes to these kind of situations to sort of say, oh, you're my coach, it's your fault. You're my training partner, it's your fault. But you turn around and say, okay, wait a minute. There's a common theme here. I think it might be me. And then you sort of have to then try and reevaluate. So what was it about Thailand then? Was it just a change of scenery? Was it just fresh faces, no pressure? What was the reason for Thailand specifically? Let's just put it this way. Um, when I say easily led, like, um, I was living a bad life here. Let's put it that way. Um, like, at the time, I, I felt like, like I was doing well. And uh, in other people's eyes, I probably, I probably was flying, but like in terms of my career and in the future, I had no um, no end goal, and that really depressed me. And then it's it's easy when you're not doing nothing, you've got got nothing to look forward, you know, to start going out past. You know, and, and, and do you get what I mean? Like that, and that that's what depressed me. Um, start new, so what I mean? Start new. I was ten and zero. I already had the knowledge of the sport, obviously, because I was ten and all in. So we just go back, get fit. Um, get another fight on and then let's go from there now there's a few things in that that's really interesting again like that concept of not having a goal so you can't get that same discipline and same kind of drive and motivation to then having to you know go out and have fun again and then feel I don't know rebuild that kind of passion for it in itself instead of just the sort of okay go through the motions the next fight win the fight then go back and then just try and rinse and repeat it's good to have that reflection to the try and reassess and now one of my friends said he trained with you out in thailand do you know um richard merns so you were saying that he rolled with you and you absolutely destroyed yeah, him with, with yeah. leg locks ages ago like i think you get peel hooking him or yeah, something yeah yeah <laughs> that's a wild <laughs> yeah i do actually yeah. yeah so like i said it was a cool place and, you know all all the people um i met there it, it really changed my life it opened my eyes you know it was but that them two years when i was depressed I thought money would make me happy and I realised money doesn't make you happy and then moving to Thailand I realised it's the little things in life, it's the company, it's the people you meet and it's the sport that you do so that makes you happy like I said, if um, if something happened tomorrow and I had to do this shit for free, I really would do you know what I mean um, I'm not saying I'd do it as much as I'm doing it now but you know I'd, I'd always want to keep me, me fingering you know, like my coaches say, yeah, yeah, I say, I want to still be doing this when I'm 48. So I, I feel like I've got another, I feel like I've got another 20 years left in me. I really do. I, I haven't took much damage in my fights, well, most of my fights anyway. Um, and people go, oh, no, but you want to be retired by the time you're 35 with money in the bank. And I say to them, it's not about money in the bank and retiring, it's about I love to still what I mean. So I hope I am still doing it when I'm 48. Whether you whether um, I'm just fighting on small shows or you know you know fighting lower level competition or still in the UFC, I still wanna I still wanna fight. I think it's that kind of genuine passion that really sort of shines. So I think this is why you built the sort of fan base you have. 
is this sort of genuine sort of you want to be in there you want to go through the experience you want to go through the sort of trenches and come out and have the scrap like cause you get a lot of people who kind of do it to be you know the man of the hour the person in the spotlight to get that admiration but it's good that you sort of even had that reflection to you know remind yourself where the priorities are not take your eyes off the prize that instead of going through okay if i get x amount of fights i'll make this amount and get in get out instead you're now you're trying to take time and smell the roses and you know go to yazar and enjoy the enjoy the, the sweet life and that sort of thing so when it comes to yeah well, you know, you know, sorry like, like you just said there man i got i got a lot of a lot of people into the sports a lot of my friends and stuff to do it because i really don't think you know yourself as a person until you've been punched in the face or you have been choked out and you know how far you can your body can go and I think it's um, it's very empowering to, to people to realise you're not made of glass. Do you know what I mean? Um, once you've done that, and like, I think it really helps your job. It helps anything. It helps, it helps you in life because you've got like you've got nothing to prove, and then you can you can see how far you can push your body. You know, mentally you've took yourself to dark places in the gym. So, you know. Nothing's harder than being on the bottom, getting punched in the face, and having no energy left. Do you know what I mean? So, fucked. like, I have to, I have to do something. I have to go and do a test, or I have to go and do that fucking assignment and work. Do you know what I mean? That's that's easy shit. You just think you could be getting punched in the face. In the face. <laughs> that's it. Like people at work and that's thinking, I feel stressed. Thinking you don't know stress. You ain't been bottomed up with someone peppering your face up. You don't know stress. Don't chat to me about stress. You ain't been launched on your head. You ain't been choked yeah, out, yeah. sharp. You don't know anything. So talk to me before that's MMA it. then. So like you're saying about how empowered you felt from you know training and trying to like you know build yourself up and build this mindset and everything else. What were you like before MMA? Were you a bit of a loose end? Were you okay? Just a bit shy? What was your sort of mindset and attitude like before you started training? Um, to be honest, I, I think you just need to hear. Uh, not many people realise how long I've actually done this sport for. Um, I started training when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. I turned pro at 17. So I was still a kid. I was in school when I started. Uh, I was never a fighter in school. I think the first five people I said I was, I was fighting, like, oh, I'm going to fight. I think the first five people laughed in my face. So my friends. Like, oh, you won't, do, you won't do well, you know. And then, uh, you know, I turned, turned pro and I won my first two fights and then I turned pro and then, you know, I win, like, my first three fights and, you know, it's been my first fight, it's luck. Win my second fight, it's luck. Win my third fight, still luck. Win my fourth fight, like, oh, it might be decent, he won't get luck. Win my fifth fight, still, it's decent. Win my sixth fight, like, oh, I could be wrong there. Win my seventh fight, eight fights. By the ninth fights, you realise I'm fucking good and I'm going to go places, do you know what I mean? It took you nine fights but, uh, <laughs> to yeah. get to that point. So, uh, so, so what, nine fights to prove everybody, like, look, I'm, I'm the real deal. But um, after, after that, like I said, uh, I was t- got to 10 and all, and then I, um, my granddad passed away, and that sort of uh, took time out from the sport. And then I think we priorities and stuff, I was... At the time, I was just fighting, and you know, I was fighting. I was fighting for, you know, what it's like. I was fighting for hardly any money, so it was sort of fucking um, like fuck. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to have money behind me and stuff, and I want to do this. So that's why I took went away from the sport. And like I said, I realised that 
what doesn't make you happy, and the only thing that made me happy in my life was was fighting. Um, but I think that that's a lesson I had to learn for myself, and I think no matter if someone told me that or not, or if I tried to tell somebody, I don't think you'd, anybody would ever listen until you've tried. That, 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 that's one of, one of the life lessons. I, 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 I can't speak for anybody else, you know. It might, money might make someone happy, but it, it really never made me happy getting in there, throwing down, traveling the world, meeting new people, you know, um, starting a like-minded with the sports, you know, fighting people that don't don't um, don't share the same language as me. As me, we can't have a conversation, but we can talk with fists and the mutual respects there. That makes me happy in life. Now, there's so much in there. I mean, sorry to hear about your granddad. I mean, I couldn't imagine what that must have been like going through that sort of pro career again, that kind of in a heavy emotional environment of, you know, you've got a camp, you've got the stress, and then also that as well to try and, you know, affect the way you're everything outside of the gym. And when it comes to a lot of things you said there, I think it's really important the way you phrase that. Because for a lot of people, when it comes to these conversations with themselves of, it's now my fault, I have to take responsibility you need to start doing this. this, is what it means to you. You can't have that conversation with anyone but yourself. Because you can give anyone advice, yeah. but if they don't want to hear it, they ain't going to believe it. They need to feel it, they need to get to that point, they need to sort of get to that dark place where in the room on their own saying it's everyone else's fault. Then you sort of think, okay, wait a minute. The penny has to drop on your own. You can't force it on someone else. And that's why it's so important. And now when you're saying about life isn't all about fighting at that point, it's so refreshing to hear that because when it comes to a lot of fighters, especially when they have like quite a few pro fights and start like getting like some status and some recognition, they sort of, I don't know, they lose their identity as such. You go from being Chris Fishgold to UFC fighter, MMA fighter, who is also called Chris Fishgold. You stop losing that part of who you are at that point. So it's good that you've still got that, you know, you're doing it for you, doing yeah. it for the love of it. And the fact you're getting paid, you don't have your days, you can have your naps in the afternoon, you're sorted. Yeah. You're away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, like you just said, it means a lot. Um, you're saying it's refreshing and you're taking that in and listening to me, boy. Um, you, how many fighters do you see um, that retire and then, like, 10 years later, they want to fight again, mm. come out of retiring because it's like, like, shit, what have I done? The only thing that they get depression because they've stopped the sport. And sometimes by then, the 10 years later, you know, it's, it's too far gone. You've let yourself get out of shape, you know. You're not you've, the hunger's went. You know you need to keep that fire burning um, while it still is, and you need to keep you know, keep banging out, keep going in, having wars. Because once that fire's gone out, and you are that fire gone, and sometimes it's it, people aren't the same when they come back. Do you get what I mean? We, we've you've probably seen that yourself. Um, you've probably spoke to people like that, and you know, look yeah. at Tyson, although Tyson's an exception, you know, he looks fucking phenomenal on the pads, but the same, he's getting back to the sport, and he said, like, he he realised how, how much it made him happy, and that hunger, you know, it's making him feel alive again, do you get what I mean? I mean, this is where the whole sort of line you've got to draw somewhere is, that you get people who want to come back after retiring on a sort of high note, go off in the sunset, to then come back and say, I want to have a one last ride and then it's another last ride and it's another one and it's another one. Like you get BJ Penn, prime example. He goes off in the sunset, everyone respects him, he's amazing. He then comes back and gets smoked, thinking, okay, it's what it is. Comes back again, gets smoked again and again. And he gets knocked up by some guy in a pub and you think, okay, this is getting a bit sad now. 
but then you'll get like Mike Tyson everyone wants him to come back everyone wants him to do well but I think it's a really it's a very specific and very personal thing you can't say to anyone else they're not in a position to come back and do this that and the other in the same way you couldn't tell them they shouldn't do it in the first place so it's a bit of a oh definitely sorry don't don't get me wrong like you just mm. said then I'd never I'd never tell anybody I think it'd be being out the sport for 20 years come back and have another another but I think if it was my choice, honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd even come back because I realised how happy it makes me and I, I want everyone to be happy. But if I got to advise them anyway when they're thinking about retiring, I'd, I'd always say think about think about what you're going to miss. Do you get what I mean? Think about what you're going to miss with it. Even if you're not retiring, like don't, don't retire and stop the sport completely. Still train, do you know what I mean? Don't completely walk away and get fat and, you know... At least, get, like, always keep your foot in the door because you never know when you might want to go back to it. Do you get what I mean? But, like I said, I think uh, what you've just said about BJ Penn, I think boxing is very different. You know, boxing's the art of punching, tie boxing the art of kicking, MMA's the art of fighting. And I think the sport has evolved so much and it keeps evolving. Um, you, you, you can't walk away from it. You need to. You need to stay, stay. It's completely changed. You know, I like I said, um, when I first started, I was a 15 year old kid, and I got to the point when I was 17, uh, I could come in the gym and I could, you know, I could, I could, I could, and I was drinking the night before, or I could have been in, um, like playing on fucking watching films and shit, and I could come in and beat people, people, you know, um. Now, watching the kids coming up, and not just that, like I said, like even some of the techniques that are going around now, and you really need to be on your fucking A game. You need to have that eight hours sleep and live like a monk because, you know, you come in and you're like even a little bit tired, or you know, you're not, you're not all day, or you're thinking about something else, you will get beat up by fucking you know the stuff I got learned with leg locks, locks. The stuff I got taught with leg locks ten years ago. Uh, that stuff now gets gets seen seen as wrong, and you should do it the way that I got taught. Don't do it. Do you get what I mean? And stuff like that. Again, yeah, there's so much in that as well. Like the intricacies of the games itself, because you think about, say, boxing, the sort of micro-adjustments in the way things are done and the way things should be done and that minor development in that very specific area and the whole sport of MMA and then the intricacies of that and then, like, certain elements, the sort of the do's and the don'ts, that you can't do that anymore because you'll get caught out with this and this goes so far along. And again, I think a huge part of where you... I think this conversation is going is really about how having the right reason to come back. Because if you're coming back because you're feeling low and you're feeling like you don't know who you are anymore, that's not going to end well regardless of the result. Whereas if you're coming back because you love the sport, you've been training anyway, and you think, you know what, I want to come back just because I've been putting the work in and I feel like I'm in a good place. It's a very different conversation. And this is, I think, is so important. And it's why it's refreshing having this, I don't know, conversation where you can really hear the genuine passion in your voice, the way you describe it and the way you have that kind of, I don't say awareness, when it comes to your career and your trajectory and stuff, is that purely on your decision on things, or is it a lot of rumor, or is it a lot of the guys in the gym, like your, I don't know, like opponents and like plans and like structure of who you want to go in which order? 
or how how would you like to structure your progression as such? Um, to be honest, like like I said, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to say it's it's mine ment it's mine mentally because you know I'm fucking doing it. I'm the, I'm, you know, I'm I'm the one doing the streaming session. I'm the one getting in and that. But I, I I can't. I'd be I'd be I'd be a fucking idiot if I if I couldn't. If I, if I said that and never um, give people the credit where it's due, if it wasn't for Rimmer I, and Ellis and Side mainly Rimmer, um, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be in this sport now. He showed me. Um, he, he he always had this idea in his head that I was going to be in the UFC and I was going to be a champion even before I ever knew it. Do you know what I mean? Now this is really interesting because uh, the mar- sorry, this, um, I thought you finished. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Um, so yeah, basically, like I was saying, and he saw me. Um, he had that idea before I ever done that, and then obviously, when I was going through that dark time, he was still there. He was still there, job on a daily job. Fucking, he was still ringing me all the time. He was still seeing how I'm doing. He was still pushing me, trying to get me in. Um, even in some fight camps when I've already been in, he's fucking being at the house picking me up and that. And it's got to the point where he's he's made me. Funny, do you know what I mean? He's, he's really got me back into it, and he made me realise that you know, you know, this is what I'm good at. This, this is what makes me happy. And it's because like, the same, they, um, he makes me enjoy training. You know what I mean? And it's not just about training; it's about social, being social, and that. And you know, um. Yeah, that's it. That's friends, they are good friends, and I, I think you needed to see it like that. That's why you know I hear people saying, "Oh, I've left this camp and I've went to this camp and I've done this and I've done that." Um, the the, the call is split up quite a few times, and people have went separate ways and went to other gyms and stay um, with Paul because you know I believe loyalties everything and the time he's put into me um, I think most anybody else you know we've been together through thick and thin and hard times low, low times and high times so so uh, yeah that, that's it we're, 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 we're very close and that's why I, I don't think I'd ever fight for anybody else you know we've, that, that's pretty much it yeah so again there's so much in there I mean the initial question was more from where you are now to where you want to go. But it's interesting the way how much like, like Paul's sort of done for you in the first place. And again, the, everyone I speak to who's from Next Gen, they all speak very highly of, of Paul Rimmer, but in a very specific way, in the way he's influenced them specifically, in the way how he's had his own input into how they've, I don't know, perceived the sort of sport and the way it's done for them. And something you said there about the sort of camaraderie, if I've got this right, the sort of being with these guys all the time, it's not just peeking for a fight camp and then the sparring and stuff. No, it's the gym banner, it's this, that, and the other. It's the atmosphere, it's everything. It's building that up, that relationship. So when it comes to the actual training, you get more out of it. You understand your partners more. You understand yourself a lot more. Am I right in saying that? Just making sure I didn't misinterpret anything. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. I know people say the gym is like a family, and it really is like a family you need to look at other fight teams um, a lot of fight teams you only need to look at fighters and who made them who got them where they want to be 
they enjoy you know what I mean? Like, there's no homegrown talent in them. There really isn't. Other people have made them and they've left or they try and poach fighters. Like, Paul is going scratch. Before I went to Next Gen, I couldn't throw a punch. Do you know what I mean? Um, same with a lot of the amateurs and Paul's taught them everything you know. And, um, like, how close are you to someone until you've seen them grow up and you've taught them everything? Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, this is it. So what point are you really close to that stage? I mean, it's all well and good hitting pads and looking good for a video on Instagram, but if he's not seen you getting beaten up and sparring and crying in the changing rooms, is he really a coach? And like, <laughs> at which point is it like, you know, you need that kind yeah. of like a bit more real, a bit more beneath the skin, a bit more, okay, I need your help as a coach. I don't need yeah. a trainer to hit pads. I need someone to, you know, help me get somewhere and understand why I'm going wrong. Yeah, well, like, also, um, like I said, you, you need to remember, I've done it since I was 14, 15. Um, when, when I was growing into a man, obviously, a lot a lot of the stuff and values I picked up, Paul, Ellis, and Sy, do you know what I mean? So that, that's always, that's always, you know, in the head and stuff. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, you know, Paul's doing crazy things. Um, if you've seen Paul in the streets, let's have two no, no, no ways about it. It doesn't look like he can fight. Um, I've personally sparred with Paul before. before. I believe he can handle the sport and there's not knowledge. He could teach you anything you wanted to know about fighting somebody. He could teach you, you know, I believe it goes past that. I believe it. If you was angry, you know, he'd come up to you and he'd tell you, look, today you're angry, you need to do this game plan or, you know, be nice and chilled. Like, he'd come up and, like, you need to do this game plan and, you know, we can really match the fighter to the person they are and match the fighter. And you can really, like, look at a fighter and say, right, we need to do this and we need to do that. And, yeah, he's like... Um, I know people talk about um, Greg Jackson. Do you remember when, when, when Greg Jackson told me this shit the way he talks? And I think that's the only person, um, the only really coach I can like, compare him to. Like he's like just as good as him because of him, um, because of the way he is. Isn't, isn't, like I say, he's not trying to poach any fighters. If people come to him to want to train with us, that's great. We love that, but. If not, there's no worries because we have got, like, you want to see how big our fight team is, and the majority of it is homegrown talent. I mean, again, there's so much into that, and the signal kept cutting out, so I'm going to sort of just try and make sure I understood what you were saying with that. And regards of Paul's sort of style, it's very much personal to the fighter and their kind of specific game, which I feel is the difference between a coach and a trainer is that, okay, we've got a group class, everyone does the same thing. But as a coach, it's more, okay, Chris, your style is more suited to this. If you're going to do this, make sure it's based around that. And then, okay, Molly, you do this, Paddy, you do that. And, you know, everyone's got the specific kind of style to suit them. And then the same sort of Craig Jackson conversation of being more of a sort of strategist and understanding what how to implement what you already do. It's not so much, this is the technique for this. This is more the application. This is more, okay, they're that kind of body type. Make sure you close this space or do this, that, and the other a bit more understanding of the other yeah. aspects of it. Am I right in saying that? Well, yeah, yeah, you're right in saying that, exactly. But like I said, um, 
where I think Paul is the, really one of the best coaches in the world because, like I said, Ian, it's very easy to say, oh, you're tall, so you're going to be a it's, it's mentally as well he goes into it so if you get hit and you're going to fucking fuck the game plan and swing around you'll say, say hey look you need to you need to go forward if, if you're going to start swinging having a war with them watch out for the takedown if you're like a fighter that um, you need to stick and move and then you need to do this and do that um, he matches the, the mental side and what people bring up here with um, yeah sorry the signal is quite bad I'm not sure what's going on with it but I say what you're saying there just make sure I've got that right is again the mental aspect of how people think and how they perceive certain situations so say if someone's not good with stress they might panic and throw wild shots if they're a bit too calm and can't pull the trigger, it's more a case of making them do certain things to then instigate that kind of thing. And again, the mental side of MMA yeah. is so interesting because again, it's one thing training it in the gym. It's another thing on the night itself. Like how different is your training to the fight itself? Are you with a sort of kill or be killed mindset inspiring or is it quite playful and then you switch it on in the, in the, in the cage itself? Or how do you find that transition? Um, I, I, I always try and make it in killer be killed you know um, I don't hold back some of the hard and vice versa if I go with someone that doesn't that doesn't spar like that Sam do you know what I mean I, I do believe in I want to be in it for a long time so it's not good having all them wars all the time um, Paul basically keeps me me thinking keeps me feet on the ground keeps me not going and having a war because it's very easy for anyone when they get tired to bang out and I'll, I'll hold my hand up and say look when I am tired I will just swing I will cover up and, and swing and try and make it a war is that the smartest way it's, it's like he makes me watch out for certain things he knows what to say to keep me moving mentally. He knows me as a person to make me a better fighter and what I need to be aware of. He can, can see instantly just by looking at my face right now. So if he looked at me, you know, he'd be able to tell what mood I'm in. In a fight, a coach needs to know that. I think it's essential in when you go back to the corner, your coach can tell you what you're thinking without even without even saying it. If he thinks you're tired and thinks you're going to start banging out, he needs to know that to say, look, calm down. Or if he sees you're angry, you know, he can calm you down. If he sees you're nervous or you're scared, he can like, tell you everything's going to be okay and like, fuck this, go on, you're a beast, you know what I mean? And I don't think a lot of coaches bring that. You know, like I said, I think it's, I think it's all good to coach saying you're tall, so you, you need to you need to be rangy or you know keep on the outside, you know shit like that. Um, Paul Paul does give you tactically um, ta tactically for your body type and tactically what you should do for your opponent. But like I said, um, it's that mental aspect as well as like you, you. I don't think many coaches bring to the table what Paul brings to the table. And this is something really important. I think it comes down to what you were saying earlier about how, because of how long you've been with Paul and the amount you've put in, he can then do a lot more with that. Because again, if you're just sort of popping for like a day session, he's not going to know you in and out. He's not going to have that same connection to understand, okay, 
you need to take it a bit easier today. You need to do this. You're in a bad mood. Make sure you don't do this, that, and the other. Don't go anything crazy. And again, you build that relationship up. And it's very important to have that kind of, I don't know, that understanding. I think that's the biggest thing with that. And when it comes to your sort of mental cues and stuff, when it comes to being more experienced, how do you find still being coachable? Because again, like you were saying, you've been in the sport since you were 14, pro at 17. Like how have you stayed coachable throughout that whole period of time? Obviously knowing what you know now. Yeah. Like I said, for, for like I've, I'm I'm just gonna be straight with you for, for 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 a couple of years I really wasn't coachable and Paul must have wanted to kill me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but but like I said, we, we have that relationship and he stuck by me to like, like after I got them dark years out the way. Um, I listen to everything he has to say. You know, when I do everything he has to say, because I know I've listened to him. I'll never lose if I listen to him, listen to the game plan. I'll, I've never, ever lost. You know, I really haven't. It's only when I've done stuff that I want to do that I've lost. You know what I mean? With Carter, the game plan was keep moving and that. And I, I was like, look, I was beating him. The minute I stopped, when Paul was telling me to keep moving, I got caught. The minute I stood still, um, yeah, it was to the back of the head, but nevertheless, it's still fucking. I still got put out. Cattle was the better fighter in the fight. You know what I mean? On the night, that's the way it goes. And same, same with Mahlan. Defender takedowns. I jumped for a guillotine, and that was it. Paul was telling me to play guard, and when I tried to wrestle up, I got caught. Do you get what I'm saying? So I've never actually lost. In the other loss um, in Thailand, I wasn't even. I hadn't been with Paul for a year. I was training out there. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I know when I listen to him, I'm going to win the fight. I just need to listen to him. Now, with the initial start of this conversation, you were talking about taking that responsibility and then understanding where you've been the point to blame versus everyone else. So when it came to those sort of instances coming up short in the UFC, how did you find, I don't know, accepting that? Because again, this is the dream as such. This is something you've really aimed for. Then to come up short due to your own mistakes, how did you find accepting that situation? Were you quite reluctant to? Was it a case of, you know, I don't know, get back in straight away and make the amends? How did you feel coming to terms with that as such? Um, every, every, every loss is always going to be heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like I said, if you come out of a fight and you don't feel bad, you're in the wrong sport. No one remembers second place. Like I said, life's all about winning, um, being the best you can be at everything and um, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Um, I had a lot of people messaging me like, fucking hell, Cata was like 5-1 and one in the UFC. You got him on your debut. You'll fight anyone. You're a beast. You were beating him up until that point. You know, um, That made it a little bit easier, but it was still fucking heartbreaking. So I did want to get back in there as quick as I could. And then one thing about me, once once that happens, I, I, I'll never get caught like that again. I learn really quick. I evolve really quick. So... That'll honestly be the last time you ever see me get caught. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Um, touch wood. And I come back and got the win. And then, obviously, I got caught with the, obviously on the ground being with Mahlan and I was beating him. So I was up two rounds. And I think, like, it doesn't make it any easier, but I go away and um, it is heartbreaking, but I know. I look at the fight and I realise, shit, I've done this wrong. And that, as a person, makes me want to get back in. 
to fucking try my new skills out and redeem myself, do you know what I mean? Like, I got caught last time on the ground. Fucking watch me this time. I'm not going to get caught this time. I'll never get caught again. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, this is always an interesting sort of transition. That when it comes to the emotional investment in the fight itself, the learning process of the troubleshooting of, okay, if I do this, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? And sort of review and sort of rebuild as such. But then also the kind of progression as a whole. But when it came to the sort of mental side of that, did you ever feel you didn't belong in the UFC? Like, okay, so this is Cage Warriors champ, going to go up to the big stages now, I'm going to be the man. And then coming up short, did you ever feel like, oh shit, maybe this isn't for me? Did you ever have that kind of self-doubt or was it always a case of, okay, this is something I know I'm sort of destined for as such? No, I, I never I never had the self-doubt that I, I wouldn't belong there because like I said, um, I'm more of a grappler and a wrestler and Kat is one of the best strikers in the in the division. So in the in the UFC full stop. And I was out striking him, you know, I showed I belonged there. I just got caught slipping, that was it, you get what I mean? Uh, I, I think honestly I truly believe nine times out of ten any other night I believe I would have beat Kat. It was that once I, I say that all the time and then exactly the same with Macklin. Like I was catching him. I showed I, I belonged there. I literally, you know, I got a kick to the balls and that took a lot out of me and then when I started again my head wasn't all there and you know I literally just got caught again it was just one of them things nine times out of ten I fucking 19 times out of 20 I know I beat Mac once you get what I'm saying I showed up a couple of long like I said I'm not just that um I really enjoy the sport anyway. I see each fight as fucking hell. I get to fucking get hit and push my body and mentally see how far I can push myself and I get to fuck someone else up as well. Do you get what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm not getting nicked for this shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I enjoy the moments of it. So, why self-doubting? Um, if you're self-doubting and stuff, you're not going to enjoy the moments, you know. It's like when I, I say to people, if, you, if you're always worried about what might happen and uh, like obviously I'm like I'm I'm not gonna lie I'm I'm, I'm scared. I, I, I have I sometimes I've like scared scared of um, scared of growing old, do you get what I mean? Scared of growing old but at the same time um, I can't think of like what if this happened, what when this happened because it just takes away the enjoyment of life now. Like I I you know, you might lose. There's no point having self-doubt because it really will take the, enjoy, the enjoyment out of the life experience and the fight itself. It'll take the enjoyment about why you're doing it, doubting yourself, and then, um, you know, when you start doubting yourself, it's like a snowball effect. It'll just roll and roll and roll and roll. You need to say, you need to believe yourself that you fucking belong there. I belong there, and I believe that um, any man with a head, two arms, and two feet, I've never went into a fight. And honestly, like every fight I've never lost, you need to remember that. That you can just any anyone that doesn't believe me or doubt it, you need to look up fights, look up all my fights. You know, I've been doing this shit since I was young. Eighteen wins, three losses, and one draw fight. I've showed I belong in there, and even the ones I've lost. I've 
I've never been across. Do you get what I mean? I've never been beat up start to finish where you can say, shit, he got fucked then. Then I've literally been the club. Personally, I reckon I won my first loss. Um, bad judge's decision. Hundreds of messages and that. And then I felt like I was, I was catching him. I was showing him. And now I can stand with the best strikers. And I'm not even a striker. And then he was going on about his boxing, and then I was fucking outstretched, and him. I got just got caught. So um, I, I don't think any self doubt is there. I, like, I believe I do belong in the sport, and I, I truly believe I can beat any man with one head, two arms, and two legs. And again, there's a lot in that to sort of go through as well. So where that question really came from was more a case of. Because obviously you've built up this experience, you've got this record, you've had these wins and all these performances, it's then when you have that next step up in competition that if you come up short in your first sort of outing, I just couldn't help but feel it might be a sort of point of, okay, shit, now what? But it's been good that you've been able to keep that same attitude of, okay, this is the issue, let's fix this, let's sort this out and let's keep going and that kind of thing as well. Again, like taking away the emotional side of trying to, you know, preparing for this event, coming up short and then rebuilding. But from a matter of fact of, okay, I've got to this point and then, you know, this is the result, this is what I need to do to sort that out. But one thing you said there about sort of being afraid to sort of grow old, is that more a case of, I don't know, do you feel the need to rush to try and achieve a lot in the time frame you've got? Or is it a case of now you're, I don't know, trying to appreciate the time you have instead of trying to achieve and rush through it? Not like... I'll, go, I'll start with the first thing you said about the fighting and um, like the way you're about proving yourself um, I, like obviously what loss is hard and if you ask me who I, if I had to choose who I could fight again yeah it'd be Calvin Carter and Macklin because I, I truly believe you know you need to go out I need to prove a fucking point to what I've been saying to people I know I can beat them beat them nine times out of ten I beat them I literally just got caught, and I think um, like I've I've always liked Ronda, but I lost a little bit of respect for her when she got beaten by Holly Holm, and then the next time she said, "I want to fight the champion." She didn't want to go back and fight um fight Holly Holm. She just wants to go straight for the belt again, like to get what and avoiding it to get what I mean, and then um that's why like McGregor, I I. Respected McGregor, he got beat by Diaz, and he was like, "Fuck that! I want to fight him again." Do you get what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. They're right and they're wrong as such. They're making sure their fighting pride of I can beat that person is more important than the sort of belt and the status of being I am the champion. But you become a sort of questionable champion because yeah. you are the best, but you haven't sorted that loss out. You haven't amended that kind of wrong as such. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's it. And then with with the question you said about the growing old, you know, um, I I I love this sport and you know I, I love my life and I said I want to do this till I'm forty eight, whether fucking having millions and millions or not. I I always want to do the sport, and I'm just scared that like I don't think it's any time soon. But what what happens one day when when um when I can't do this anymore, do you get what I mean? Like, what, what happens then? Like, what what do I do? What, like, like, do, do you know what I mean, don't you? Like, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff and I see people um, 
I was I was in hospital um, last last year when I was um, just before the time with the UFC. Um, I had to, had to have a hand operation. My hand was fucked, and I was on the ward. I was on. I was um, there was like five old people, or three old people, four old people, and a young lad next to me. And I was looking at some of them and the, the way they were, and you know, some of them had had friends and family visits, some of them never, and it was it was really sad. And then some of them could was all there, switched on and could walk, and some of them couldn't. And it just got me thinking, like when I'm there one day, you know, um, it's yeah, but I'm scared to to grow old like that. But at the same time, I can't I can't worry about it too much because it'll stop me enjoying time right now. Does that make sense? Is that more about getting into that position of old and frail and the point you can't do anything? Or is it more a case of being on your own, having not invested that time in sort of other people? What's your sort of point with that? Um, I wouldn't say it's being on, on the own because I think nobody has the choice. They're, nobody, you, you can't say being on your own because some people just, it's not about investing the time. Some people just have a got family, do you know what I mean? Um, I've, I've got a great family and I've, I've got a great team behind me and I've got great friends and, you know, I try and, I try and be friends with everybody. Um, I'm, I'm not a trash talker. That's probably why I'm, I probably haven't got as, as much, much fun as I should have, but I'd rather be cool with everybody and enjoy me fighting and chat shit. But I think it's more so about the old and frail, you know, like... Um, it, it will be hard to look back at my fights and, and think, wow, wow, one day I was that, once upon a time I was that strong and fucking all that and then look at me now, do you get what I mean? I mean, this is always an interesting thing. I think this goes back to where we almost started where it comes to people trying to relive their glory days and people not being able to close that chapter as such. And again, this is something I feel it has to be experienced on your own. Like when you get to that point, I think you need to accept that with your own time and your own well-being to think okay this is something i've achieved i'm happy with what i've done now it's time to then keep living my life keep finding meaning in something else maybe there's something in there maybe go to coaching or something else but again it's a very personal thing i feel i feel like if i gave you the textbook thing of what you will do afterwards you wouldn't believe it i feel like it's something you really have to get to that point same with everything else you were sort of discussing that it takes that point in your own life where you accept the situation to then deal with that because as intimidating as daunting yep. as it sounds, it's very much like <laughs> you can't believe it until you experience it. I can't help but feel. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. But like you just said, Dave, I never even thought about that. Ian. Like, it's it's not just about getting stuff done when you're young and you're, like trying to relive the glory days. It's it's about, I think, more so the body as a whole. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Like, struggling to walk and you know yeah you might have fucking dementia and not be able to remember job your your life and you know if it's sad and we have those out for anybody who's like that and anybody who's got family members like that and it just scares me to get what i'm saying well this is it that's the true vulnerability isn't it because at that point it's all well and good saying you lose a fight or this that and the other but when you can't remember like your children's names and you can't do this and the other that's where it gets really scary and this is why it's so important to appreciate what you've got whilst you've got it. And when you get to that point, it's to try yeah. and, you know, prioritise things of what actually is important at that stage. Like you were saying about, like, what life was important earlier when you said about being in Thailand, about how 
before you made that sort of journey over there it was very materialistic it was you know money clothes all this kind of stuff to then okay it's the process it's the people it's yeah. always that has the substance so when that's sort of taken away from you you have to really remember what is important and that's i don't know something really to again it's a very personal thing to really have to appreciate and not just be told yeah definitely i think uh, like like a good way of looking at it is like if you were scared to get caught um, actually get caught on me and like um, bump into something and get caught you'd live life in a bubble but how fun would living life in a bubble be does that make sense like, like sometimes you just need to just enjoy the time while you've got it. Well, this is it. It's like risk and reward. It's if you only let yourself feel what you let yourself feel, yes, you might get hurt, but you also might have fun. I mean, how awful would that be having fun? I mean, I'd hate to think what that's like. And again, it's always yeah. a bit of a funny one. I know. Worst things have happened, I think. Now, before I let you go, my yeah. friend, there's a few things I want to sort of flick by. A couple of FAQs I've got for you. Are you ready for this? Post fight food, yeah. talk to me. What is the junk food saying? What's the you've had your fight, you got your win. Where are you going after your fight? Talk to me. Well, lucky I there was um, I, I live with my little brother, by the way. Me, me and my little brother have um, a house together, and uh, we're really close. And then this girlfriend come in the other week and they put loads of stuff down. And they about a month ago when he went upstairs and he got three packs of these. Salted caramel pretzels, yeah. Ooh. And um, yeah, so I fucking I had I had one, and then before you knew it, I had the three packs. So you know, I got the packs <laughs> there we the... go. I heard the one. I thought it's bullshit. Yeah, All I, right, I, here we go. I got, the, I got the packs and I fucking I hid them under the couch and <laughs> they, they pop, 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 they're probably still there, you know, gone. So yes, I was thinking where to get them from. So I went into Home and Bargain. And this is no way of a lie, um, they had them there. So I bought every single pack that they had in the shop, but after we fight, so for mentally just like in my head. So I know I'm getting that there. I love it. I love Ben and Jerry, so I'm going to be fucking eating that. But, um, Which flavour? Yeah, there's well, the, the, oh, do you know what? Look, I got this flavour the other week. I think it's called Netflix and Chilled, and it's peanut butter ice cream with like. It's it's it's, it's, it's it's just look at it, I can't remember the exact flavour, but that shit changed my life. Do you know what I mean? And then I do like the caramel ones, so the core ones. Now, this um, is, if you, everyone you listening on audio, Chris has got the biggest the, smile on his face as well. I've never seen him this happy before. I've seen him win belts, I've seen him win fights, I've never seen him this happy everything. before. Here we go. <laughs> oh, look, this, this is it. Um, the core one's good, the caramel shooter one. Um, but, 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 I've been dieting just to be coaches, just putting it out there. Um, I have been dieting hard, not not lately, um, but yeah, um, I, I do like I do like my ice cream. Um, other than that, you're talking proper food. Just uh, I like 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 the same as everyone, you know, burgers, stu
I'll teach all day or I'll, I'll train all day and then I train in the night and then I'll have one meal after the night, a big meal with like a, a treat and that's pretty much it. Oh, is that it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking about these eight big, packs where, of like pretzels where, I want to see. But anyway, my friend, where yeah, people no, that, find... That's Go big, on. Like I said, that's the big meal in the night, isn't it? <laughs> that's your dessert. The eight packs of pretzels. No, what it's going to be is Rimmer in the corner just feeding you pretzels between rounds. <laughs> Rimmer's good between rounds and think, think of the pretzels and you know, just throw them at you. One of them. <laughs> just think chucking at you. Yeah, that's it. That, that's it. No, they, they are really nice. They have a couple of flavours, but I would uh, I'd recommend them. I'd recommend anybody who's even made you have a you know, like a job like a postman or anything, try the sport and don't know yourself until you have tried the sport and you have pushed yourself and you know, I know fellas that are sixty that are still doing jujitsu and that really it's it'll change your life and it'll give you that extra motivation. And if you love if you love your food and that fucking try that Netflix and chilled ice cream and try them pet pretzels. I'd 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 advise the salted caramel ones, but you know, I think all of them are winners. As said by a UFC fight, Chris Fishgold. <laughs> this is it from the fish fit, the um, <laughs> Ben and Jerry's, the pretzels. Where can people find you on social media, my friend? Um, by the way, if, if the pretzel company, I can't remember what they're called, or Ben and Jerry's, if you want to sponsor me, here's my social media. Um, social media at Chris Fishgold uh, on Instagram, uh, at Chris Fishgold on Twitter, Chris Fishgold on Facebook. Nice and easy to see. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm all, I, I might take a while to get back to some of my messages to people, but I always try and respond to everyone, even if it's just like fans saying like, well done and stuff. Um, it might take me a month to, after my fight, I get hundreds of messages, but I will eventually go through them all and like say thank you and that's your life. But I think it's important because, like I said, I want to be friends with everyone and, where would it be without everybody to get what I'm saying? Well, this is it. it's so important to appreciate the people who help you get to where you are. Today's episode is brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on MaulerMMA.com.